0: Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Speak to our hearts like only you can. I pray that we'd walk out of here feeling better than we walked in here. Bless our time together in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, how many of you love a good road trip? How many of you guys love a good road trip? There's two kinds of people in the road trip world, okay? There's those of you who love the journey. How many of you, you're the trip people. You like, you plan the whole trip, like you know all the stops along the way. How many of you, that's you, you like the journey? How many of you are destination people? You just want to get there. You don't want to drive, you don't want to stop. Nobody's peeing and nobody's doing anything. Like, I don't know, my dad was like that. Like, if we went on a road trip, you better pee before we left. I had four brothers, it was all five boys. So it was either pee before you left or have a Gatorade bottle, you know what I mean? Like a Coke bottle gets dangerous. Guys, you understand? A Gatorade bottle, you're safe. Um, So (laughs) all the wives are like, why, what does it mean? Ask your husband later. Um, there are two. There are journey people and there are destination people. I'm a journey guy, honestly. I love the journey. If we're going on a trip, I look up all the cool places on the way. Like I like to stop the whole I like to make an extra trip out of the journey. To me, I can get like two vacations in one because not only can we get to where we're going and enjoy a vacation, but then I can have kind of a mini vacation for myself along the way. But oftentimes in life, We are not journey people, we are destination people. How many of you know God, however, is not a destination God, God is a journey God. And in our life, throughout the span of all the years that you spend here, God is taking you on a journey. And oftentimes, we can be like our children, that in the car, when we're going somewhere, they'll go, hey dad, are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? Dad, how much longer? And I don't know if your children are like my children, but they have no understanding of time. So like we go. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay, it's like three and a half hours from here. We drive there a lot. We go to visit there. My parents that live there, and we'll we'll be heading there. And my children will ask me about 30 minutes. How much longer? And I go, well, you know, like two and a half hours. I'm like, oh my God, that's so long. I'm like, that's really not that long, okay? Like, they're like, is that more than two days? I'm like, where did you go to school? No, that's not more than two days two hours, two days. So then like we started doing, <laughs> I don't know if you ever try and do teacher kid stuff, like, but, but we're not teachers, I'm not a teacher. I feel, all, I feel bad for all the teachers that have to teach these kids, but, and I'll be like, hey, let me teach you, okay, how many seconds are in a minute? And he's like, a thousand? I'm like, that's no, you're not right. 60, he's like, okay, I'm like, and how many minutes are in an hour? He's like, a thousand? I'm like, no, why do you keep saying a thousand? No, it's never gonna be a thousand, okay? I'm like, 60. He's like, okay. And I'm like, how many hours are in a day? He's like, 60? I'm like, no, 24. Okay, that one, I understand that though. Um, And so I try and teach him the recollection of time, but for him, his understanding of time, he doesn't really encapsulate it well. And I find that oftentimes we can be that way. God is a journey person. And the journey he has us on is always preparation for the destination he's taking you to. Okay, listen to that again. God is a journey God, and the journey that he is taking you on is always preparation for the destination that you're going to. We're destination people. We want to be at the destination already. But God goes, I can't get you to the destination without taking you on the journey. If I got you to the destination, you wouldn't be prepared for it. And while we may want to be there, God goes, you wouldn't be, I would be a bad God to let you get there before taking you on the journey. We are destination people. If I could just get married, if I could just get that job, if I could just have kids, if I could just get that house, if my kids could just get out of the house and I could retire. We are destination people. I love country music because country music understands the journey. Y'all know what I mean. God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. I know what you're thinking. These things higher than that. Every long lost dream led me to where you are. Woo! Others that broke my heart, they were like northern stars. Leading me on my way. Every mile of memory. You guys, are you guys country fans like me? I don't know if, you, if you're country fans like me. It's the climb. We are destination people, but God is a journey, God. And we look today at someone who had a remarkable journey. Genesis 37. I'm going to have to look back here cuz that is way too small. Um Jacob lived in the land where his fathers had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah the sons of Zilpah, and his father's wives. And he brought their fathers a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him an ornate robe for him. You know, Joseph in the coat of many colors. You've heard the story. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. This is important. Joseph had a dream. And Joseph's dream went like this. He told his brothers, they hated him for it. He said, this is what happened in my dream. Listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told them, he told them and his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I love this. Let me come back to that. I love this because remember this. Brothers compete. Siblings compete. You all have siblings. Maybe maybe you don't. I'm one of five boys. We compete. Fathers encourage. You want to father people in life? Be an encourager of people's dreams around you. His father kept the matter in mind. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, to, wait, did we already go? Sorry, go to the next one. I already read that to y'all. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like? No, sorry, go back. Don't put that one up yet. That was the end. We're figuring out this whole thing today. Sorry. And... Um, Joseph has this dream, and he tells it, and they hate him for it. And some of you know the story. His brother's plan to kill him. They take him out. They're going to kill him. And one of his brothers says, listen, instead of killing him, let's just throw him in a pit. Okay, we'll throw him in a pit here. He'll die, or an animal will get him. His blood won't be on our hands. They throw him in a pit, and they leave. How many of you know that's a bad day when all of your family turns against you and leaves you in a pit? You might not talk to some of your relatives, but when's the last time they plotted to kill you and left you for dead? Okay. Joseph is left for dead. Joseph then goes on a wild journey. Joseph, if you've never read the story, you should read it. It's so much too much for me to tell all of it to read it to you, so I'll just tell it to you. Joseph gets picked up by some traveling um, like gypsies. They take him, they sell him to a man in Egypt. He starts serving this man. Now, if I'm Joseph just so you know, I'm a little frustrated with God. I'm frustrated that God would show me something And that when I spoke what God showed me, it would end me here. It would end me in a pit. It would end me being sold into captivity. He is working for Potiphar. And now trying to make the best out of his situation. He works really hard. He becomes Potiphar's top servant. Potiphar puts him over all of his people. But that wasn't the end of the journey because Potiphar had a wife that liked Joseph. And Potiphar's wife would come on to Joseph and, you know, if you would just, if you would just be with me, if you just, Joseph, it says he kept resisting her advances and resist, until one day she grabbed his cloak and tried to pull him close to her and he ran away. And when he ran away, she screamed that Joseph had tried to assault her. The Potiphar comes home and she tells him what happened. And now he goes, okay, Joseph, you're going to be put in jail because of this. Now, again, if I'm Joseph, I'm a little upset with God. Okay, I was put in a bad situation. I was put in a pit. I got out the pit. I now make the best of my bad situation. I'm a servant, but I'm making the best of a bad situation. And now this God, now I'm going to be falsely accused. You ever feel like that in life? Maybe you got put in a bad situation. Maybe you got dealt a bad hand. Maybe what you started with wasn't a lot and you worked really hard to get out of it. and You worked really hard to get somewhere. And right when you thought, okay, this is good, I'm in a good spot. The rug got pulled out of under you. Joseph is in prison. Sometimes the journey doesn't seem fair. Sometimes the journey doesn't seem fair. Maybe you've thought like I've thought, God, why? Why would this happen to me, God? What did I do to deserve this? And let me just help you with one little point, because oftentimes we can look at God and go, God, why did this happen? And I want you to know sometimes it's not God, sometimes it's just life. Sometimes life is just hard. I have a lot of friends who are pastors, and some of them range in their levels of spirituality. And sometimes they'll, you know, I got I got friends that are super spiritual. they will like, the "Devils after me, man!" I'm like, "Well, what's going on?" Well, I woke up had a flat tire. I'm like, "Maybe you just got a flat tire, though." Like, how do you know it's the devil? Like, <laughs> I ran out of gas on the way to work. Devils after me. I'm like, "Did you check how much gas you had when you left the house?" Like, maybe that's not the devil. Maybe that's just you. Okay, like. <laughs> Some of us think we're fighting the devil, and a lot of times we're fighting just us. And, and we will oftentimes begin to look at God and go, God, why is this thing happening to me? And I want you to know, sometimes it is spiritual, but sometimes it's just life. It's why Jesus said, don't be fooled. This life will have troubles. There will be hardships. It won't be easy all the time. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Joseph is on a journey that doesn't seem fair. Joseph is now in jail. Joseph is in jail, and he's in jail with two people. And these two people, a cupbearer and a baker that work for the king, have been put in jail. And they come to him, and I think it's ironic. They say, man, we had a dream. We know that you're an Israelite. Do you think you could tell us what this dream is? Now, if I am Joseph, I don't want to know about any dreams, okay? I don't want to talk about dreams. I don't want to hear. I don't even want to dream anymore, all right? I don't want to have no dreams when I go to sleep. Because a dream is what got me where I was. A dream put me in jail. All Joseph did to deserve to be in jail at this point was just have a dream and tell his brothers about it. You ever had a dream? You ever had a dream that got you somewhere that you didn't think that dream was going to get you? You ever have a dream that seemed great on the front end, but in the middle of the journey, all of a sudden, the dream doesn't seem like what the dream seemed like when you had it? Let me just help you out and tell you this. Oftentimes, God gives us dreams so that we don't quit in the journey because the dream is what the end will look like. But if he showed us the journey and not the end, we wouldn't want to do it. Listen, God showed me a dream of what Valley Rice Church will look like one day. If he would have showed me setting up and tearing down for two years every Sunday in the hot Texas sun, I'd have been like, God, I think you got the wrong Mexican. I don't know. Like, not, that's not me. Like, I know there's some Mexicans out there that maybe would do this, but this is not me, God. You got the wrong Mexican. A dream will start your journey, and it's why God uses it to keep you in the journey. Joseph is in jail, and Joseph interprets these dreams. Joseph is a better man than me. Because I would not want to interpret these dreams. He interprets these dreams. The guys get out of jail and he tells them, When you get out of jail, don't forget me. Okay, don't forget me. I'm in here. I didn't even do anything. Don't forget me. So they get out, and of course, they forget him, because such is Joseph's life. Maybe you felt like Joseph before. Like just one, Joseph just gets one bad break after another bad break after another bad break. And one of the guys, the cupbearer who's working for Pharaoh, Pharaoh goes, I had a dream one night. And it puzzles him. And he calls in all of his magicians and all of his sorcerers. And he says, hey, help me figure out this dream. What does this dream mean? I wasn't about to cry. I had something in my throat. I know you guys are like, he does cry a lot, though. (laughs) Um, um, Help me figure out this dream. And so they tell him, listen, Pharaoh, there's a man in jail here that you have. He hears from God. He can tell you what your dream means. So after Pharaoh's tried everyone, Pharaoh goes, bring me the man that's in jail. He bring, they bring Joseph to Pharaoh. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And here is what starts to happen in Joseph's life. I love this because it's a dream that will start our journey. And it's a dream that will carry us through the journey. Think of this. It was a dream that got Joseph in jail. And it was a dream that got Joseph out of jail. What are the odds that God would use a dream to get Joseph in jail and then also a dream to get Joseph out of jail? Pharaoh recognizes that God is with Joseph. Genesis 41. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this one man? One in whom the spirit is the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Think of this. So Pharaoh, sorry, go back. So Pharaoh asked him, no, go to the next one. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And the people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Think of this. Joseph goes from being, you want to talk about a wild week? Joseph goes from being in jail to being over all of Egypt in like three days. Imagine being in jail and now being the president of the United States three days later. They talk about like a wild ride. Joseph now is finding himself recognizing that God has used every stop along the journey to get Joseph where he needed Joseph to be. Because the truth about the journey is, is if Joseph wasn't in jail, Joseph wouldn't be in the palace. If Joseph didn't get sold by his brothers, Joseph wouldn't have been in the jail If Joseph didn't have a dream, Joseph wouldn't have gotten sold by his brothers. God is using every single thing in your life to get you to the destination and prepare you for the destination. God needed Joseph in the jail to learn some lessons before he could put him in the palace. God is teaching each and every one of us things along this journey that while oftentimes they might not seem fair or we might not understand them or they might be frustrating, God knows what he's doing in us more than what he's taking us to. And while we see a dream that we go, God, if I could just have this dream, this would be awesome. God goes, I've got to get you to where you can manage the dream. Because you want a dream, but if I give you the dream right now, you'll squander it. If I give you what you really, all of you have kids, a car is a great thing. If you give a five-year-old a car, it's a horrible thing. How many of you know God loves us too much sometimes to give us what we really want or we think we really want until we're ready to be able to handle it? He goes, listen, I'm going to give you the car, but I've got to teach you the rules of the road. I've got to put you in the prison so now that when you're ruling, you can care for those that are under you, you'll understand what it's like to be at the bottom. I was in the military for four years, and the guys that I loved working for the most, I had some good bosses and I had some bad bosses. The guys that I loved working for the most, the officers, were guys that had been enlisted people before and then had gotten their degree and become officers because they understood what it was like to be in my position. They talked to me differently than the other guys. They hung out with us differently than the other guys. They would check on us. The other guys wouldn't. They would think about us before they asked us to do something. The other guys wouldn't. How many of you know Joseph has a different look on ruling a kingdom now that he's been in the prison of his kingdom, and now he's ruling it? It gives him different perspective. Listen to me. On the journey of life, God is teaching you perspective. And wherever he is taking you, all of your perspective is going to be used together to be able to accomplish the dream that he's put in your heart. I'll never forget when I was a kid. I say I was a kid. Really, a a, a large portion of my life I had a lot of girlfriends, okay, or a lot of girlfriends had me, however you'd like to say it, okay. I don't think I had a girl problem. I think they had a me problem, so. And, and I remember coming home, and I was one of those guys that would go all in on a relationship, like every girl. It didn't matter. My fir- Fiona Cook was my first girlfriend in K-4, and I was going to marry Fiona Cook. I will say this. She was Asian, and I did marry an Asian, so I was, like, almost there, okay. I came home, and I'm like, Mom, <laughs> I'm going to marry Fiona Cook. She said, Christian, you're not going to marry Fiona Cook. I'm going to marry Fiona Cook. Okay? I just love her so much. Then first grade, it was somebody else. Okay, mom, I'm going to marry this girl. Can then high school. Then a lot of high school. And then more in high school. And everyone was like, I'm going to marry this girl. And I remember my dad sent me down one day and going, Christian, what is it you like about this person? And me telling him you know, what I liked about her. And he said something to me that wasn't just for relationships, but it was for life. He said, Christian, all of the things that you like and all of these girls that you say you're going to marry, one day your wife is going to be the culmination of all those things that you like. You like them because there's something in them that you appreciate and that you're attracted to. And one day your wife will be the culmination of all of those things. How many of you know life is like that? There's things that we want and there's desires that we have that God goes, listen, One day, the dream that I give you is going to be the fulfillment of all those things. You think you want this, but that's not really what you want. You want the Asian in it. I think I wanted Fiona Cook, but I didn't really want Fiona Cook. I just liked the Asian in Fiona Cook. Okay, God knew I was going to marry an Asian. (laughs) I liked the drive in this girl, but I didn't really like her. I liked the drive in her, and God knew he was going to give me a wife that had a drive. I liked that this one liked to take care of her family, and I didn't really like her, but he knew I was going to love someone who wanted to take care of their family. I was taking little pieces of everything and God was using it to culminate what ultimately he was going to give me. Life is very much the same way. God is taking you through different seasons and there's going to be parts of it you don't like and that's okay and there's going to be parts of it you love and ultimately the destination he is taking you to is going to be a culmination of all the experiences that you've had. You can use then the journey at the destination but God loves us too much to give us just the destination. Joseph is now ruling Egypt. A famine happens in all of the land. Everyone is starving in all of the land, and the only people that have any food is Egypt because Joseph told Pharaoh his dream was, what his dream was, was you're going to have a famine, okay, we need to store up grain so that when the famine comes, we'll have enough to live on, and then everyone will come and buy, buy grain from us, and then we'll also have money. So it's exactly what happens. A, fair, a famine comes. They have seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. In the seven years of famine, all of the nations are coming to buy grain in Egypt. And as they're coming to buy grain in Egypt, it just so happens that Joseph's brothers roll into the palace one day to buy grain from Joseph. They haven't seen Joseph. Joseph is 40 years old at this point. They have not seen Joseph in 23 years since they threw him in a pit and assumed him dead. They roll in. They don't recognize Joseph, the Bible says, but the Bible says that Joseph recognized them. And all of a sudden, the culmination of Joseph's dream begins to unfold right in front of him. His brothers bow down and they go, hey, we need to buy grain. Can we please buy grain from you? And in a moment, what took 23 years to happen for Joseph, 23 years all of a sudden it comes to a culmination in a moment and Joseph is sitting there dressed in all his adornment, ruling over all of Egypt and watching his dream unfold before his very eyes. 23 years. 23 years. Remember how I said sometimes my children don't have a good concept of time? How many of you know sometimes we don't have a good concept of God's time? Because we see a dream, and we want it now, and God goes, oh, you're going to have the dream. It's just going to take 23 years, Joseph. It's going to take you being in the jail, Joseph. It's going to take you being sold into captivity, Joseph. It's going to take you being falsely accused, Joseph. It's going to take you being forgotten about, Joseph. It's going to take 23 years, a dream in the making. And in a moment, it begins to come to fruition and Joseph has a realization at that moment that God is about the journey. God is about the journey. And just like us, when we're driving somewhere, or we're driving our kids, we have a destination in mind. How many of you know God is a destination in mind for your life? You're not just wandering aimlessly, you're not just figuring it out, you're not just doing something in the meantime. You're not just wasting your time. God is taking you on a journey. And there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And there's going to be times the journey seems amazing. And there's going to be times the journey seems really scary. But God is taking you every step of the way to prepare you for the destination that he's bringing you to. Let's not grow weary in the process of the journey. Let's not not get weary in the scary parts of the journey. You know what I mean, the scary parts of the journey. God, did you forget about me? The jail moments of the journey. God, God, did you? this isn't what you showed me, God. You showed me everyone bowing down to me. You showed me sitting on a throne. You showed, God, that's what I saw in my mind. Now I'm cleaning out jail cells and I'm forgotten about and I'm falsely accused. God, what, have, that's the scary part of the journey. Let's not grow weary in the scary part. Let's remember that God is taking you someplace. And the scary parts, you will use them at the destination. There's a book I just read a couple weeks ago called Fearless. Have you ever read the book Fearless? An amazing book if you've never read it. Oh, my gosh, it's an amazing book about a guy who's a Navy SEAL. and It's his whole story. I don't want to ruin the story for you, okay? But he is on a journey, and it's a scary journey. He comes into a serious drug addiction. Not like kind of drug addiction, like, 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 you know, the serious kinds of drug addiction. Like, okay, I'm going to get clean, gets clean, steals everything from his family again, okay? Then he goes, he goes back to jail. Then he gets out, get clean, clean for six months, and steals everything from again. We all know people that have walked through that journey where you just go, this is never going to end. I mean, this is insane. And at some point in the journey has a realization, hey, maybe if I just go to the military, it'll help me. Goes to the military and ends up becoming one of the greatest Navy SEALs of all time. You have, to, you have to read the book. It's unbelievable. But I remember his parents, I was watching an interview. After I read the book, I went and I'm watching all kind of videos on him, and I'm watching an interview with his parents, and they just said, it's the craziest thing. We never would have guessed when we're bailing him out of jail, when we're trying to find him to put him in jail, when we're that we'd be here, that he'd be, that he'd be who he is, and that he'd be doing what he did, and that people would be building plaques to him and dedicating schools to him. and we, we, didn't, we didn't even think this is how this would end. I mean, you know, God loves to surprise us with the ending. Whatever part of the journey that you're on right now, I encourage you, let's not be people that ask, are we there yet? We need to be people that ask, am I there yet? Am I there yet, God. Because God is taking this on this journey to prepare for ourselves. I want to give you three ways to make your life journey better. Three ways to make your life journey better. One, stop asking, are we there yet? And start asking, am I there yet? Start asking, am I there yet? Let me ask you, what are you doing today to grow yourself? What are you doing today to prepare for where God is taking you? Listen, God gave me a dream of what Valley Rice Church would look like. I'll never forget as long as I live, sorry, now I am crying, so <laughs> I'll never forget as long as I live, standing on the front row of a church at 16 years old, and it was, an, it, was, it was, I don't know how to describe it without being weird, other than it was like an out-of-body experience, and I'm standing there, and I'm in praise and worship, and in a moment, it was like God showed me this thing at 16 that I never understood, and, until we started this. Now, God didn't show me a lot of the in-between from 16 to 32. There was 16 years there that God forgot to show me, okay? God didn't show me the Air Force. God didn't show me getting kicked out the house. There was a lot God didn't show in that process. And and I I, I remember speaking at a church and, and them showing a picture of me and my dad. And like, look at both of these preachers. And isn't this awesome story? His dad left Houston to go to Lafayette. He left Lafayette to go to Houston. And what a miracle that God's using them in. And they said, would you say something? I said, yeah, this picture looks awesome. This is like 10, 15 years in the making, okay? I'm glad y'all all all clap for this picture now because no one was clapping when I was like coming home drunk every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, okay? No one was clapping when I was getting kicked out of the house. No one was clapping when I was in the military. No one was clapping. They were yelling at me a lot, but they were not clapping. (laughs) No one was clapping then. What are you doing to prepare yourself today for where God is taking you? People always ask me, you know, they'll go, God, Christian, you're a good, you're a good preacher. What, how, how did you do that? If if I told y'all the sermons I preached in my shower and in my mirror, you wouldn't believe me, okay? My wife still walks in on me preaching messages in the shower and to the mirror. It's awkward. I'm like, I'm right at the altar call. Why are you opening the door? Close the door. Like, do you want to get saved? Come down here then. Repent. <laughs> I like it's regularly. But all of that was preparation for this. God was taking me on a journey to get me somewhere to a destination and every step along the way. When we tear down and set up in here, let me tell you, this is hard. It is hot. It's not fun. It is not even like an iota of some of the stuff we had to do in the military. God was preparing me for the journey. God was taking me step by step through what he was going to ultimately bring me to. Number two. Stop comparing my journey to others. Stop comparing your journey to others. Start embracing the journey that you're on. Start embracing the journey that you're on. How I many of you know we like to compare our journey to other people's journeys? I'll never forget when I um when, when I was like 17, I just wanted a car so bad. I didn't get, I was like one of those when my parents didn't buy me a car until I was like 19 understandably so, but hey, I I wanted a car so bad. I'd ride in my friend's cars. I'd be on a bike. I'd be like rollerblading, skateboarding around, you know, just like town. Lafayette's not big. You could kind of go anywhere. And and we didn't have Uber. You just had to catch a ride with people. I wanted a car so bad. Finally, I got a car, OK? And it was a 1994 Nissan Pathfinder. It was gold. It had a little grill guard on it. It had a CD player that, like, you press and fold down. You know, that was, like, so cool then. Like, it was like, Like, it was awesome cloth seats, cigarette burns all over. Whoever had that car before me was a rager. It was just cigarette burns all over. Like they're driving hundreds of thousands of miles, just burning holes in the ceiling. It had so many miles. I don't even know how many miles on it. It had like a lot of miles on it. I was so happy for my Pathfinder. I couldn't believe that I had a car. I would clean it every day. Okay, I'm buffing it. People are like, why are you even cleaning that car? Like, why would you, why would you even wash that thing? I'm like, because it's awesome. I'll never forget picking up my girlfriend one night. I spent three hours cleaning the car. She got in the car. She was like, hey, what's up? I'm like, how about this fine ride? Like, she was like, it looks like your Pathfinder. <laughs> I cleaned it so much today. I was so excited about having my Pathfinder until I had my Pathfinder for a little while. And until I pulled up next to somebody at the stoplight and looked over and somebody had like a brand new Tahoe. I'm like, God, man, if I could just have a Tahoe, that would be awesome. Like just, like I bet the guy has leather seats. You probably can't even burn those seats with a cigarette. Like, cigarette proof. Like, it probably smells like a new car. Mine smells like cigarette burns. I, all of a sudden, I started wanting the Tahoe. And I had a moment of realization at 19 years old where I thought a couple months ago I was really glad just to have a car. I was super excited just to not be walking someplace. I was really happy. I didn't have to wait on my friends to pick me up. How many of you know we can be like that in our journey in life sometimes? We're so happy to get married until we're married a little bit. And then we're like, (laughs) God, look at their marriage. Their marriage looks awesome. I mean, I had a marriage like their marriage. If if my husband looked like their husband and if my wife looked like their wife, then maybe I would treat them the way they treat them. And if they, if I just had a better job, God, then I could do more. And then I'd be a little happier, God. And I could, I have a friend who just got married two weeks ago. I did his wedding in Georgia, one of my lifelong friends. And, um, he texts this week. He just got back from his honeymoon three days ago. He texts our group of like all our high school friends. He's like, uh, hey, listen, everybody tell your wife you love him today. Like, and then he sends us a screenshot of like him texting his wife. I like, just want to tell you I love you. I'm like, yo, dog, cool it. You've been married a week and a half, okay? You ain't the expert on marriage. Give it, give it, let's give it a month, all right? When Katie's calling me in the middle of the night, kicking you out the house, and then we'll talk, okay? All of a sudden, we start to compare our journey in life to other people's journey in life. God, they don't even deserve what they have. How do they have this? And I have, look at God, I've done everything right and I'm in prison and they're in the palace, God. How? God is taking you on a journey that he wrote before you were born for you. He didn't assign it to them, he assigned it to you because there's things you need to learn on the journey. And the faster we can learn these lessons on the journey, the quicker we can get to the destination that God wants to take us. Oftentimes what's holding us back from the destination that God has for us is our stubbornness and our unwillingness and our inability to learn what God is trying to teach us. What I love about Joseph is that it says Joseph, even in the the prison, was put over all of the jailers, over all of the prisoners. Joseph was learning leadership in the prison that he was going to use in the palace. Joseph very well could have, should have, and would have had every right to sit down in the jail, give everyone the bird, and be like, I ain't doing anything. Don't tell me about no dreams. I'm mad. I shouldn't be here. I'm falsely accused. God got me. This isn't even fair. But how I many you know that's not what he did? He said, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to learn something while I'm here. Hey, I encourage you, wherever you are on the journey, learn whatever it is that God's trying to teach you right now. Don't look ahead. I'm a dreamer. Sometimes I like to Look ahead. God, one day we're going to have 100,000 people. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be, okay. God goes, hey, how about you learn how to manage like 200 people first? How about you learn like this season first? How about you do this right now that I've put on your plate before you get a bigger plate? God is trying to teach all of us something in the season that we're in. And if we can stop for a moment and look inward and realize what that is, oftentimes that's what God is waiting for us to do to move us on to the next mile marker. Then lastly, as we close, Manuel, you can come up. But Manuel, when you come up, you got to jump up like I jumped up, because that was impressive. (laughs) Three, remind yourself of the dream that God gave you. Remind yourself of the dream that God gave you. All of you have a dream inside of you. All of you have something inside of you that God put there. I talked about it last week a little bit. There's something you do better than anybody else. When you close your eyes and you could do anything in the world, what is it that you see? What dream is it that's in you? Do you know that that's not you? That's God that put that inside of you. God created you and said, I'm going to put a seed of a dream in there that when it sprouts to fruition, it's going to be something that not only they feed off of, but everyone around them feeds off of. But he gave us the dream so that we wouldn't get weary in the journey. He gave us the dream so that we wouldn't quit halfway. I have a thing in my office. I call it like a vision sheet or like a dream sheet. And it's a list of things, just dreams that I have. And I go in there and I pray over it and I look at it and I go, okay, God, it'll be awesome when this happens. And God, if this happens, that'll be amazing. And this would. And in the times where I get weary and the times where I want to quit and the times where I get exhausted and the times where I want to just throw it all and go, okay, God, pick somebody else to do this. This is hard. I go in there and I remember the dreams that God spoke to me. I remember being 16 years old standing on the front row of a church where he showed me a vision. And that's what sustains me in the seasons. Parents, maybe you have children and they're far from God. Listen to me. Remember what God showed you of them when they were born. That they could do anything they wanted to do. That they could change the world. That there was a hope inside of them. That there was something they were called to and made for. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. But we can't quit on the journey. Can you imagine if Joseph quit in the prison? He was just steps away from the palace where he would one day see the fulfillment of the dream that God gave him. Let's not quit when we're in the prison. Let's not get weary in the journey. Let's not walk away when times get tough. Let's remind ourselves of the dream that God gave you. Write it down. I encourage you, if you've never written your dreams down, I'm not a big journaler. I don't journal. I know some guys are like, I have a journal I do every night. And if you do, that's cool. I'm just married. Okay, so... I'm not a journaler. It's the moral of the story. Maybe you have a diary, women. That's normal because you're a woman. That's what I was getting at with the first point. Um, I'm not a journaler, but I do write down all of my dreams. Anytime God speaks something to me, I write it down. Because I never want to forget what God put in my heart. I don't need to tell my journal about my whole day, but I do need to tell myself about what God told me sometimes. I do need sometimes to remind myself of the dream and the vision that God put in my heart. I do sometimes need to call to remembrance the the times where I was on the high going, this is going to be amazing, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And in the moments where I'm in the prison, God will draw me back and go, hey, remember when this was going to be the greatest thing ever? Remember when you couldn't wait to do this? Remember when you were dreaming about getting married? Okay, now look over. You're married. Isn't that the greatest thing ever? God will give us dreams to keep us along the journey when we want to quit. But we've got to remember them, and we've got to set them on the front of our mind, and we've got to write them down, and we've got to hold on to the dream because your dream is coming right around the corner. The fruition is coming right around the corner. You might be in the prison. That's okay. God is taking you somewhere, and it's right around the corner. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. I actually wrote that down three times for y'all. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Because if you don't quit on this thing called life, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Life is full of people that just stop a little short. But if you don't quit, you win. Allow God to do what God wants to do inside of you. Start asking God, am I there yet? Figure out what it is that God wants to do in you. Begin growing yourself. Don't look to the left or the right. Don't compare your journey to anyone else's journey. God wrote your journey for you. And the truth is, if you had their journey, you'd be miserable. You'd be miserable. Listen to me, married people. I cannot tell you I I wish I could just put a a list up of the marriages I've seen as a pastor that on first glance I said, God, man, I love, look at that. Like, they got a cool marriage. Like, they're just cool and, like, they have so much fun together and, like, they're just best friends for life. And, like, I have, like, a normal marriage. Like, I got kids and, like, I have to do laundry sometimes and clean the house. And, like, and then those people call me and go, You have no clue what's going on in our marriage, and I need help, and this is happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. I get to see both sides. If you had their journey, you would be miserable. God gave you your journey for you, and it is the only journey that will ever fulfill you. Joseph would have been miserable being with his brothers back there. He thought he wanted to inherit his father's stuff. Think of how shallow-minded we can be with God sometimes. Joseph thought he wanted to inherit his father's things and that his brothers were all going to work for him. That was the extent of Joseph's dreaming. One day I'm going to take over my dad's farming stuff and then all my brothers are going to lay their sheaves at my feet. I'm going to run this business. I'm going to be an agricultural wizard. This is going to be awesome. And God goes, "You're dreaming of owning a farm. I'm trying to give you a country." I'm trying to give you a country. We can be shallow-minded with God sometimes. Don't sell the dream short. Don't quit on the dream. Don't stop in the middle. Don't compare your journey to others. And one day you will look back like Joseph and you will see the fulfillment of your dream before you. And in that moment, it will all be worth it. In that moment, The late nights, the early mornings, the frustrating time, it will all be worth it. Listen, this isn't about marriage, but I'm going to give you just a little marriage advice. When I counsel people in marriage and they're going through tough times, here's what I tell them. I say, listen to me, play for the long game. The long game is 50 years from now, you're sitting on your your front porch. Maybe if you want to have a camp, you're at your camp. Your grandchildren and great-grandchildren are playing in the front yard. They're talking about, I just want to be like my mom and papa one day. They don't know the journey. They don't know what it took to get there. They don't know the late nights. They don't know the arguments. They don't know the times you slept on the couch. They don't know all that. They just bear the fruit of the end result. Play for the long game. Marriage is a long game. Life is a long game. Dreaming is a long game. Success is a long game. Let God take you on the journey. And one day you, like Joseph, will look back and realize God had you every step of the way. He knew where he was taking you. He knew what he was doing with you. He wasn't surprised by the scary moments. He wasn't thrown off by the detours. But it was actually him that wrote and scripted the whole journey himself. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that we get to be on a journey with you. A God who loves us. A God who's for us. A God who has our best interest in mind. A God who desires to take us somewhere. Created us for a purpose and a plan. Wrote a story that only you could write, God. Today, God, I ask that you would sustain us, that you would breathe your life into us, that God, on this journey, we wouldn't get weary, but that we would hold fast to the dream that you put in our heart. God, thank you for letting us see the end so we don't quit in the middle. God, refresh that dream inside of each and every person here today. Whatever it is you called them to, God, when they were a child, the dreams they had when they were young, the dreams they had when they were a kid, that maybe life choked out, God, that you want to breathe back fresh life into. Revive and refresh those dreams in their hearts and mind. Let today, God, be the start of them picking their head up and them running on the journey, God, that you have them on. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe some of you here that go, Christian, I, I didn't even know there was a journey. I didn't even know God had a plan for me. I've experienced church or I've experienced religion, but I've never experienced a relationship with a God that had a plan for me, a God that scripted something unique and specific to me, that wanted a relationship with me to help me along the journey. But today I'd like to. Every head bowed and every eye closed is between you and Jesus. But if that's you and you, a Christian today, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. I want to go on the journey with Jesus. This is between you and God. I just want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand up for me real quick just so I can pray for you? Amen. And we're going to pray together. And you can pray this in your heart. You can pray this out loud. You can say it under your breath. As long as you mean it, this is between you and God. I just ask that you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize that I have a need for you. I want to go on a journey with you, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. And then I believe that you died on the cross, a death I deserved to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. And I believe that you rose from the dead to give us new life and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I start my journey with you. Now, God, I just pray for each and every person here. Refresh the dreams inside of them. Seal in what you're doing in them, God. Draw them in lead them on the journey you have for them let this be the start of something amazing in Jesus precious name amen and amen hey would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives amen hey thank you guys so much for being here with us for our first Sunday at Hopias hey listen um next week again let me remind I think some of y'all came in late when you make that turn I know it looks like you turn in the second entrance here. You actually turn in what looks like you're turning in the Metzler entrance. You turn in right there, come around, and you can drop your kids off right at that bend. Make it really easy for your kids and your wife. Men, we're trying to keep our men skinny. you got to walk. I don't know what to say. Um, But drop them off. That will make life a lot easier for checking in the kids. And then you all can walk straight down that hallway and come back to this. Uh, hey, as we begin, to, if you can't prepare to worship with your offering, we've got three ways that you can do that. You can give an offering envelope um, that's in your worship guide. You can go to valleyrisechurch.com and click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise, the amount, to 77296. None of this happens without you guys. I'm so grateful for having such a generous church. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.